0: talk now yeah
1: can check, you check, hear check. us now yes we did it yes.
0: okay thank you chip
1: hell yeah chip is a uh, chip's a real big av type guy doing a lot of technology right chip <laughs> i invented the
2: commodore 64 i don't know if he told you that i invented <laughs> the, the, the the vic 20 and the commodore 64
1: vic 20 chip
2: That's that was that that was my first <laughs> that was my first computer when i was a little kid the vic 20. amazing
0: so my levels are okay right now i'm okay good i'm good
2: L- you, little Maybe little br- loud yeah, bring it down just a little. Your, just, your, just your a volume scooch, down Just a, little bit. a scooch. So
0: a scooch down like right there, baby. That's that perfect. Good? Yeah, okay. that's
1: good. Oh, awesome. I've, you
0: can't see it, but I've got this really. Oh, I don't know if I can lift it up. This old Yamaha. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Nice. Back in my garage band days in the late 90s. That's great.
2: Early. I don't forget when we got this
0: thing. And it's just one old.
2: last thing. If you could, could you just speak with a, like a Cockney British accent? Yeah. The, entire, <laughs> the entire time. And then we won't bother you again. That's-
0: oh, I, man, I wish I could. So I was on a podcast recently before, like right before they started recording, the producer was like, don't pop your peas. And then, of course, this like gets uh, in your head. We're you like, think about, right? All I'm doing is popping my peas the entire time. I'd never you been feel, given that note before.
1: Feel free to pop as many peas as you want <laughs> yeah.
0: on our podcast.
1: We do it. We do everything possibly wrong popping peas. Well, Chip's a professional with the mic because he's a, you know, a stand-up comedian. He's yes. He's speaking into me. I'm a nightmare. I just, I pop everything. I I slur, I stutter, you know. It's... You have the
2: voice of a satin angel. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: You well, guys they... both have the the foam things over your mics. That's uh that's a sign The, the pee poppers, yeah. The exactly. <laughs> My peeps are coming in hot on this thing. It's unprotected.
1: Well, thanks so much for uh, joining us Alice. this is very exciting yeah thank you man. i'm
0: so excited yeah, yeah thank you
1: yeah we're gonna give the official uh, junk miles introduction we don't Great. we're not some like crappy little podcast who just like says here's alex we got to give you a professional introduction we'll add music behind it some sort of maybe like riff, you know to get people really excited yes gentlemen junk miles very excited to have a writer writes for billy on the street difficult people triumph specials he's also the drummer for the preeminent neil young cover band cinnamon boys and maybe the biggest shakira fan in the world right now <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, alex gordellus how are you alex and thank you for joining us
0: hey jeff chip thank you so much for having me on junk miles i'm thrilled to be here i'm doing well excited Excellent. to talk to you guys
1: yeah, we're, uh, you know, we told you it's basically what we do on our show. We start off with a good idea where we talk about a, mu- a movie from our youth that brought us a lot of joy, that had an impact on our life that we, you know, can pinpoint and expound upon. But then we usually just go off on, like, one horrible tangent. And it just <laughs> kind of goes from there. Chip, I is that wait. pretty much, uh, pretty oh, much what goes on? Oh, I thought
2: this was the podcast where we did uh, European history. Oh, I have I have the wrong notes. Wrong I notes. have the wrong notes. Yeah, oh, I apologize. Okay. So we're just going to wing this one. I'm just going to wing this one, Jeff. I'm
0: prepared for whatever you'll throw at me. European history, movies from my childhood. I can roll with it. All right, good. I'm a pro. If you All if right. you
2: could just just if you could be careful, I don't want to give you notes, Alex. Just don't
1: pop your peas. If you
0: <laughs> just no. no I will peas. try not to pop my peas into my <laughs> microphone.
1: Alex, we've gone 57 episodes with no peas pop, so let's, ah. just, let's just try to keep it.
0: Pee. You need one of those like counters behind you, like days without a popped pee on our podcast. And just a race.
1: <laughs> yeah. I had, I stole one of those. I worked when I, when I uh, worked for a, a beer delivery company, they had a little one in the warehouse. It's in this many days, not any Actually, My last day, I loved it so much. I stole it. I was during college. I brought it back to my college dorm room for like two years. And it was awesome <laughs> because it was just fun to have. It's like, there's been no. And then if someone like, threw up in the room or did something which just back, back to zero. Back to zero. <laughs> back to zero. And now they have like fake ones. Like you can kind of like cute ones. But this was a industrial like bolted up.
0: It was like one of the my
1: best. It was one of my best thieving.
0: The union conditions. supplied it. It was a real. It,
1: <laughs> it took four union guys to actually put it up. It only took one non-union scab me to take it down. Um, I want to start off the show because Oddly, we talk about, this is really weird, but we bring up the Beach Boys maybe every third podcast (laughs) because Chip's, Chip's parents, his dad, especially big Beach Boy fan, Chip's Mm -hmm. a Beach Boy fan. Yes. Chip, because of his friendships with other comedians and who he is, was able to meet the Beach Boys backstage, right? With your dad. It was a great moment. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Alex, I know Chip has a great Beach Boy story and one of my Favorite things I've ever seen you write about was your experience at a Beach Boys concert. Yeah. With Mike Love, like a direct confrontation with maybe the most controversial Beach Boy.
0: Yeah. So I, my dad, I'm sure, similar to yours, Chip, enormous Beach Boy fan. I don't know about your dad. My dad doesn't care if it's Brian Wilson or Mike Love. He just likes (laughs) the Beach Boys. Like he's there in the front row. 100%. if they're playing beach boys songs he doesn't care he's there so he'll my parents live in northern california there's a venue there called the mountain winery where mike love performs every summer and my dad is there every year <laughs> no matter what and i i love the beach boys too so i sure. i if i'm in town i'll go along with him uh, a couple years ago i took before the pandemic i took him in southern california to see Brian wilson play the whole christmas album i love it i'm a fan so this is about i want to say 10 12 years ago Uh, My dad had tickets to the show to see Mike Love and the Beach Boys, and he had front row seats, and uh, he had a ticket for me, and he had one extra ticket. So I have this buddy who I grew up with, Kayvon, and Kayvon's down to do whatever, whenever. So I call Kayvon up like, hey, you want to roll with us? He's like, sure, I'd love to go. So we're sitting there in the front row. The Beach Boys play two sets with an intermission, no opening act.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: So we watch the first set. Then there's the intermission. During the intermission, Kayvon and I go up to the concession stand and Kayvon buys a platter of nachos that is about like the size of like a monster truck tire. It's huge. It's just like this <laughs> giant. I've never seen a bigger platter of nachos in my life. And so we're up high at the concession stand. While As soon as he gets the nachos, we hear the Beach Boys start their second set. And I'm like, alright, Kayvon, let's go. The second half of the show. Let's go down there. And he says to me, I can't go back down there. I've got this platter of nachos. And I was like, what are you talking about? A Super Super Bowl size (laughs) spread. The giant, the biggest platter. I was like, the Beach Boys do not care if you're eating nachos (laughs) in the front row. And he was like, no, I can't do it. I was like, come on, you got it. We're here with my dad. Let's go. So he's like, fine, fine, fine. We go down to the front row. If I remember correctly, the Beach Boys were playing fun, fun, fun. And everybody is on their feet dancing. And Kayvon is like, we're dead center. And Kayvon just like sits down and is like slowly eating the nachos <laughs> while everyone was around him is dancing. And I'm standing. My dad is standing. So, you know, moving to the song. And I see Mike Love zero in on Kayvon while oh, he's singing. No. Just oh, like no. looks down while he's singing and just like focuses in on him and just like glares at him with these like eyes of anger. And then as soon as the song ends, he's like, hey, he's like, there's a guy. Mike Love says this. Mike Love says, hey, there's a guy in the front row. who is just shoveling nachos in his face while I'm up here singing. And he was like, can I get a spot? And the the house guy puts the spotlight to the front of the stage. And he's like, guy, can you take a break from eating the nachos while I'm trying to sing up here? (laughs) And it's a super awkward interaction. And Mike Love turns to the drummer and says like, hey, can I get a rag so this guy can wipe the damn nacho cheese off his face? Oh my the drummer God. tosses an unused sweat rag to Mike Love. Mike Love hands it to my friend and is like, wipe that cheese off your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he wipes the cheese off his face. Meanwhile, my dad still has that towel. My dad being a huge... Oh, like, <laughs> soon, as soon as we walk out, my dad is like, give me that towel.
2: It's like Elvis's t- yeah, Yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, for the rest of the show, in between songs, Mike Love would check in with Kayvon about the status <laughs> of the nachos. Just horribly like bullying him.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, no. Daming oh. him for eating food during and the you're show.
2: The, and I'm assuming he blames you for allowing this to happen.
0: Yeah, he does blame me. If you know my friend Kayvon, if anybody out there knows Kayvon, he's just <laughs> like, uh, I don't want to be mean to Kayvon because I love Kayvon so much, but he's a little bit like Eeyore and it's kind of like, he's got this coming. <laughs> like sure. He's one, one of those friends where he kind of expect, you kind of expect stuff like that. To happen. If it
1: was going to happen to one of your friends, it was yes. going to be Kayvon. It's going to be Yeah, exactly. That's inc- I, That's incredible i love everything about that story just because at that age like how old were you
0: oh this is i'm like gonna fully an adult i'm probably like, oh you're an adult okay yeah i'm probably like 30 years
1: old <laughs> oh my god that's
0: we're awesome. we're men at this you're point men. we're, you're, okay, we're you're men managing men, men eating, men eating men
2: nachos, eating nachos, <laughs> out out nachos being pushed gotcha.
0: around by my club yeah this is probably like 2010 so yeah oh, i am guessing i'm i
1: love that it the song that preceded it was fun <laughs> fun fun everybody's yeah, was, in a great mood having none of that you no. couldn't possibly have more beach boys fun and then it the last notes and then it's just darkness darkness prevails <laughs> chip you being a performer chip you would actually do you would focus on that one weird thing right that someone is doing that no one else is doing I've learned not to, though, and that's why, you know, maybe Mike's just going
2: rogue. Maybe that's that's the thing he's decided. But like, that's something I used to do or like whether or not I would say something about it, it would bother me. But if Kayvon was in the front row of my show, I would probably just be like, that's he just he's not causing any any. like He's not hurting anybody. He's not causing any problems. He uh, is just enjoying some nachos and watching me. I'm not going to call it to attention because I don't know this guy. Maybe he's got some issues, you know, but sure, Mike Love, yeah, yeah. on the other hand, <laughs> Mike love is he, Mike love believes in three things. You know what those three things are. I'd love to hear it. Fun, fun, <laughs> and fun. And if, if something's getting away, of Mike loves fun, he's going to call it out. And I, 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 I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm taking Mike Love's side. Now I, uh, <laughs> I don't know how I, I've come chancy, to this, pro Mike Love. This is this is this is like uh, 12 angry beach boys right now. Like I've <laughs> I've come around to the other side of the, the argument.
0: Ship, you're uh, not the only one. I posted that story on Twitter and a lot of people were like, one person was like, I was at a Rolling Stones concert once and my friend was eating in the front row and Keith Richards called it out. Really? And and like this is not like, and like it's happened to other people, and people yeah. are like, Yeah, man, like if someone's trying to like do their craft, yeah. and you're there, it's like you know, shoving popcorn or whatever in your face, nachos, hot dogs, popcorn. Like, it's going to be distracting to that person.
2: See, here, here's the thing. I'm going to defend Kayvon again because <laughs> the venue provided that meal yep. for him. They there should have go. known. Yeah. So that's that's something that Mike Love needs to learn how to deal with. If he's bringing in contraband and, yeah. you know, he he has a rotisserie chicken with him that he pulls out of his jacket pocket, mm-hmm. then I'm going to then I'm going to say something. But if that's something that the venue offers, Mike Love's got to learn how to play above that. You play to the back of the room, Mike. That's... You're 100% right.
0: Yeah. I, dis- I, will say, <laughs> I
2: will say this one of my favorite interactions ever. I'm actually, wear- okay, I'm actually wearing a Ruby Vroom t shirt right now, which is a- an old Soul Coughing. Remember Soul Coughing from the oh, 90s? Yeah. Uh, Mike Doty, the lead singer of uh, Soul Coughing, is great pr- solo performer. He- he's really good. I was actually in Jeff's Neck of the Woods a couple of years, five, five six years ago in Ardmore, mm-hmm. right outside of Philadelphia. Mike Doty was doing one of those living room tours where sure, like yeah, yeah. it was like singer songwriter and they would literally play in someone's living room. They would set up this tour. So I got a ticket, my friend and I got tickets and there was like 30 people in this sm- living room, you know, it so was, it's was a very intimate show. So this is not mountain winery, Northern Cal where there's hundreds, <laughs> maybe thousands of people and just one guy like mm-hmm. you can play over one guy, but there was, and we're all basically sitting on the floor in this, living room. They moved all the furniture out and you could tell the people who were hosting him. The The hosts themselves were very excited, but it's just they're sort of like rich friends who are just <laughs> there. Totally. And there was just a guy, again, a middle-aged man sitting cross-legged on the floor, front row, four feet from Mike Doty as he's trying to play this acoustic song. And he's just on Facebook and like oh. tweeting and so, or like, uh-huh. you know, just like or just like texting. And Mike just stopped, like just stopped mid song and just stared him down and like just laid into this guy <laughs> not even laid into it, but it was just super passionate guys are like really that's what you're that's what you're doing and like in that case that guy was totally in the wrong you're, you're in a tiny room with maybe 30 people knock it off put your phone away but Kayvon is just it's it's i'm assuming it's an outdoor amphitheater yeah, outdoor situ- totally yeah it's a beautiful night he just wants to enjoy some nachos provided by the venue i this is i'm back on Chip, side. we
1: got it we got a title for this this episode is uh defending Tavon. yeah, <laughs> defending. Chip, defending. The alex, defending Tavon. yeah. here's a question since you brought that up what artist would you like to see in a living room show
0: oh my god so you a had a question
1: anyone anyone in the world any oh, I, I think i might have an idea where alex might go depending yeah, on no. what we talk about it a bit Guar. But- <laughs> War, there you go. It could be very intimate. The blood splatter would be very like an acoustic set you. an oh, acoustic, acoustic guar sweat, yeah,
0: unplugged guar. Yeah, I uh, the, the first TV writing job I ever had was for a show on Fuse, uh, which is called Insane Clown Posse Theater. <laughs> oh, and uh, I was the lone writer. I was like, sit under the camera and pitch those two guys jokes. But Odorous from Guar, uh, our rest in peace, was one yeah, of the guests God. on the show. Amazing guy. I just wanted to drop a quick guar. I'm not oh, I, I, I will talk. Yeah. More. A fun guar, uh, a fun fact is that guar I learned around the country rents, rented storage lockers where they would keep different sets of costumes. So they don't Holy have crap. to take their costumes in the bus with them.
1: Wow. Uh, they've that's... got, you
0: know, a locker in New York, locker in Florida, locker in California, locker in Denver, have, like lockers around the country. So they could continually tour not have to haul those giant things. Haul. And, haul and I bet
1: you stuff. that was the idea of their manager, Sleazy P. Martini. <laughs> yeah. Wait, now, did you, did you say
2: it was an Insane Clown Posse show? Like, with the gentleman from Insane? Yes. Well, yeah, with Vi- uh, Violent J and
0: Shaggy Dope. <laughs> exactly, yes. It was a show called Insane Clown Posse Theater. It was the two of them watching current music videos. Oh. Uh, very, like, mystery science theater style. Yeah, where they were in the yeah. theater and they would watch whatever the you know top of the charts that week was. And we comment as they how like. were
2: they to work with?
0: Amazing. And also, like, it was very humbling for me because at the time I was like an upright citizens brigade writer. Mm-hmm. I thought very highly of myself. I walk into this. This is my first writing job. They were so much funnier than me. <laughs> 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 it's so humbling to be where it's like, oh, these guys can just crush it whenever they are so funny.
1: That's really ahead of its time because right now, YouTube channels young hip-hop kids watching old. Rock videos or just Completely. basically a disparate group watching something different. And re, well, I guess they're called like reaction videos. To yeah. like hey, two yeah. young hip hop kids are watching a, um, a Phil Kate, Collins video. Yeah, Kate yeah. Bush, you know, video running up that hill.
0: Yes, it was exa- and they, exactly. And so like, what was funny about it is that it was you just like cold show them whatever, like uh, Shakira, Rihanna right. video. Uh, it would be and they would always like dunk on whatever the video was. It was very funny whenever you would learn that they loved an artist. Like I remember there was a Bruno Mars song Gorilla that was big at the time, and we played yeah. that and they just both started singing every word. And <laughs> they're like incredible. the two like hugest Bruno Mars fans. And you'd never expect it. But uh
1: Oh, I love it.
0: Those guys, hey, yeah, were really fun to work with.
2: I don't wanna I don't wanna I'm not gonna do a bit right now, but I have a bit that I that I'm doing now on my set that where I talk about how I love them so much. I and I've literally, and this is totally true. I've literally never heard any of their music. I like, I don't know what they sound like. <laughs> but I, it was one of those nights where I just had, because it was during the pandemic, and I just got drunk, and I was on Wikipedia, and I like ended up on the Insane Clown Posse page, and I was like, I'm gonna read up on them, and literally, so I just read, and it was like, the Insane Clown Posse is a hip hop duo that formed in 1989. And then I just stopped reading. I was like, that's all I need to know. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. They've been doing, they've been together for 33 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I like the commitment right there is of doing what they do for three decades is just, they've become my favorite group. Like they have been doing this <laughs> since. Favorite I, group
1: that you've never heard. Of. I've never heard of, just, right? the, like that's the Beatles
2: the didn't make it a decade, you know, and it's, it's, uh, a yeah, yeah, I'm just, I give them credit.
0: And they're like, they're two best friends and like their yeah. friendship is really, and they, they have like a shared language when you hang out with them. Like, I remember I'd eat lunch with them, which is yeah. amazing. But like, one of them would have like sour cream and onion chips and be like, you know, Jay, you want these chips? He's like, I'm gonna take the pass option on those chips. Just like, they, <laughs> the way they would just like, say things like, I'm gonna take the pass option on those chips. I'm like, you guys are so funny.
2: Yeah, and, ever I, like, and I've heard they've like donated like a I don't know how true this is like they they donate to charities and they like they they're just like really good guys from whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah, they yeah they've they're good guys. Love them. Shout out to ICP.
1: That's that's amazing. That's and I, and of course I think every time we, I think of ICP, I th- I think of helicopter rides, I think of Charlene, <laughs> I think of Paulus Tompkins. Maybe the funniest what is it, like fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. Of, it's the funniest radio. thing
2: that's ever been done.
0: Yeah. Yeah, truly, truly the funniest.
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm, I have to figure out a way to get fired. I'm gonna go into work and shove my boss. That's
1: my (laughs) favorite line. (laughs) Just shove my boss. Um, see, tangents. We haven't even gotten to the meat of the episode. We're gonna remedy that problem. Oh, Alex, I posed a question to you, and I did not let you answer. Oh. Uh, living room concert,
0: one artist. Oh, yeah, no, we got totally sidetracked. It will be, of course, it's gonna be Neil Young. Neil Neil Young is the guy for me uh love neil he's my dude um
1: chip i don't know i mentioned earlier uh you probably heard this but alex he drums drums for uh cinnamon boys yeah i don't know if you're familiar Fav- with favorite boys. neil young track to know. drum to
0: yeah what's oh, what's your favorite it's uh, cinnamon girl is cinnamon girl. so much is... fun to play yeah. that's is our it? that's our usually our that a rocket in the free world is our set closer mm-hmm. those are both super fun
1: what do you open with
0: usually is- open with everybody knows this is nowhere Okay. So we're like crazy horse Neil Young.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. Nice. That's, that's bringing
0: the hits. Yeah.
1: You don't, there's a lot of like deep cuts and I know super fans want deep cuts, but you're not playing like track three off of trans.
0: We actually, uh oh, not off Trans. no, there's a song called, <laughs> our one deep cut is a song called Wondering. Oh, yeah. I know that. On the album, uh, Everybody's Rockin'. but it's also, yeah. he, it's a song that he wrote in the late 60s, didn't get around to recording it till oh. the 80s. But that's a real, for that's
1: a real sparse song, right? Like, real sparse,
0: real- got a little shuffle to it. Yeah, uh, that's like the I think it's the one deep cut we played. We did. We used to play some songs off Mirror Ball, the Pearl Jam Neil Young album. Oh yeah, those didn't uh, go over well, and the yeah. the other guys in the band didn't like playing them, and so we scrapped those. But it's other than wondering, it's mostly we play the hits.
1: Do you guys, as a cover band, do you just come to practice one day and like I really want to do this Neil song? Like, do you?
0: Yeah, I'm the one pushing the new songs. And the other yeah. guys, because I'm not singing and not playing guitar. Uh, so you don't have to learn as much. They're like, they, they, they take the pass <laughs> option. <laughs> like, I'm going to take the pass option. I'm playing Powderfinger today. Say, okay, fine. Yes.
1: Oh, <laughs> I tell the Powderfinger story, this little dumb Powderfinger story, but it wrecked me as a kid and it made me feel great as an adult. When I was a kid, I always thought the line was, when the first shot hit the dog, I saw it coming and it and i love that album like that was a perfect album me. and it wrecked. It, i would tear up i would get so goddamn sad every time and literally i was in my mid 30s and i'm like i want to check the lyrics on something else and i'm like the doc. the, oh, doc, the first yeah. shot hit the dock the doc. The dog didn't die
0: i would be with you too like if if somebody if there was if a dog got shot in the song i would write off neil young i'd be like no no if i, if I watch a movie if like anytime animals are harmed especially a dog i'm like done so I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're able to rectify that and learn what the real lyric is. I,
1: I recently turned off a Wes Anderson movie. Some of the oh, little kids dressed yeah. as uh, like Boy Scouts and Indians, and they just killed a dog.
0: He like kills bu- dogs all yeah. the time, and it's infuriating.
1: He really does. yeah, he... People I don't know what get- his issue with dogs
2: are.:
0: It happens I, and I love Wes
2: Anderson, yeah. but yeah, that, that really bothers me. He has uh, he
1: probably uh, got bit when he was a kid and it's got he, this like score to settle. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Royal
0: Tenenbaum's dog dies. In Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, that's right. Grand Budapest Hotel. They kill a cat. I'm like in oh.
2: uh, in, in uh, Life Aquatic. Uh, they, he he's like smacks a dog really hard. Yeah, like, he like uh, yeah. it's a uh, wow. That that's is- a whole.
1: That's that's actually like a Slate podcast, like a real highbrow podcast mm-hmm. to be like like an Ira, Ira Glass voice type guy. Like today we're gonna delve into why so many dogs are the victims of Wes Anderson movies.
0: It's a cancelable offense. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It really
1: is. Yeah, we can't handle this. We we, we need another <laughs> podcast to do that. We, we can't. So Alex, this is what I love. I love finding out about people we like, people who make us laugh, what makes them tick. And that's kind of been the genesis of, of the where we've been taking this podcast recently. And when you pick Captain Ron, I was so excited because I'm like, I remember that movie. I'm excited to watch it again. And I would love to know why it was so important for a young Alex. Please tell us. Oh man. So
0: I looked up this movie came out in 92 in September. I don't think I probably saw it until the following summer. So I like the way I would watch movies as a kid at that age is um, I'm Greek and my parents, all their friends are Greek. And, (laughs) And during the summer, the first weeks of August, everyone would go up, and all these Greek families would rent a condos around Lake Tahoe, and we'd all and all the kids at night would like cram into a room and watch a movie together. Um, UHF was a big one, and I know you guys already did UHF.
1: That's the number one requested movie of yes. everyone, from Maggie that, Sirota to like everybody's like, damn it,
0: yeah, UHF was the first? one like perfect film watched it so many times cabin boy was another one and captain ron was the third one we're just like a group of kids in a room we're just watching this movie again and again and again and yeah it's a movie that i loved from age you know 12 to 13 and later in life like when i went to college it became this movie where like you know in college sometimes you'll be like meeting random people and you're talking about meaningless things (laughs) and like it comes up to like oh what's a movie you love and you Somebody would say Captain Ron. I'd be like, you're going to be my best friend. You are. <laughs>
1: your, your head immediately goes,
0: oh. It just becomes this thing of like, and it, there's something about it like, it's a comedy. It's got Martin Short, who I love. It's an adventure movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's got pirates and like yep, machine guns being fired. Kids drinking beer. <laughs> like yep. It's like, it's weirdly, it's. I looked up some facts. It's like almost it was going to be a Disney movie. But then yeah. they, at the last minute, they changed it to be Touchstone Pictures, which is also owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. But it's almost got like a Walt Disney Pictures vibe to it. But it's a little bit more adult. So it's like you're sort of graduating to a slightly more adult movie. And, and you, you forgot to
2: the... s- go, no, go
0: ahead.
1: Chip, no, no.
2: I was just going to say, you don't get to see that as much anymore where it's that it's a comedy. But there's I don't want to call it an action. It's an adventure. I would call it like yes. it's a comedy adventure movie where a bigger budget, like you're not going to see that as much anymore, which is a shame. You're going to see like a a dry Wes Anderson, which I love again, Wes Anderson, or it's going to be a comic book movie where it's, you know, a billion dollar budget. There's not that. I, I feel just those, those comedy adventure movies, you don't, you don't see as much anymore. And I, I think you I, both
1: forgot to mention that it's also extremely horny, a very horny. Yes. Yeah. No, Yeah.
0: there's <laughs> it's yeah, there's there. I know like I listened to the Spaceballs episode with Maggie and like, yeah, there's jokes that went over my head as a kid. There's a joke that Kurt Russell, a line that he says, like, oh, they're playing hide the salami.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And, and that's a the thing you're...
0: that like as a kid, I was like, I knew that it was sexual, but I'm like, I don't know
2: what's <laughs> <laughs> right. It's something to do with the deli. Well, yeah. actually, I don't know if you guys know the the working title of Captain Ron. It wasn't originally called that. You can you see it. The working title was. I think this guy's gonna bang my wife. That was the working <laughs> title. And then they're like, you know, we should, even though it is it is touchstone, it's still sort of tangential. <laughs> let's call, it, let's, let's get rid of that that title.
0: That's uh, the vibe through like most of the movie is Martin Short's fear that this guy is gonna bang his wife. Or daughter, either or daughter. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, crazy. 5050 like 50
1: yes. 50 at what one point, and you're like, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, they really for a Disney own movie i could see why they moved it to touchstone but it it really did come close to like oh and there you know there was it's a pg-13 but there was partial nudity you saw you know some some of mary kay poise is that who the woman is some of her intimates you know in the shower scene yeah it was a little but you know it was very they're they're very amorous towards each other like Um, Which it's so weird because I don't expect I never really want to see Martin Short, who I think (laughs) of. I never want to see him as someone who has sex. No, I want to see him as Ed Grimley. I want to see him
0: as. Well, that's like to me, the most fascinating thing about this movie, watching it now, is that Martin Short should have played Captain Ron.
2: That was my first (laughs) takeaway. 100%.
0: (laughs) Why? And there's. In the IMDb trivia, there's a thing that like Martin Short and Kurt Russell were hanging out, and they knew they were going to make this movie. This doesn't sound like it's true, but like they agreed to switch roles. And I was like, I don't know if that's true. Uh, it's sort of like in the way that there's that Sham- uh, Sam Shepard played True West, where like the actors switch roles every night. Right. Like you could do that with Captain. Ron.
1: <laughs> Imagine but if that was a, a play on Broadway where they did It's that. Oh my god! It I'm should going to be. see uh, Captain Ransom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Martin Short, Kurt Russell, Captain Ron on Broadway switching (laughs) roles every night. I saw, uh, yeah, like I remember like um, Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane would switch roles in The Odd Couple.
1: Oh, wow. Uh,
0: So it's a thing that's done. And they did that apparently on Captain Ron. Um, Yeah, because the the Martin Short role, as I watched it this time, he's kind of a wet blanket. And like,
2: he really is
0: just a bummer. And maybe the only.
2: Yeah, this is 92 too. like you're seeing him through SCTV. You're seeing him through the 80s. The, the, he's known as the funniest man in Hollywood. And somebody yeah. at Touchstone was like, we're making him the straight man. Like, yeah, let's, yeah.
1: let's we're straight we're check taking every guy. ounce of joy out of his kinetic comedic abilities that everyone loves. Yeah. And just turning him into like a kind of overprotective parent. But here's the thing that. It grew on me because, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad of two teens and there were like two teens in the movie. Like anytime you do something new with your family, Alex, you're a dad, you yeah. have a young kid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I've learned this over the years. Every time you do something new, you go away somewhere where you're vulnerable and you have your family with you, man, it's all on you. They're looking <laughs> to you to be like either the guy who's keeping the fun going or if shit goes down, you and mom are the ones who have to figure it out. And usually it's like 50, 50 where, you know, mom's doing it or dad's doing it or they're both doing it, or sometimes they both just f up yes. you know like you can't handle every situation and a lot of times you're just like i'm sorry kids man i didn't i didn't know what to do there that was weird so like i started off off with this movie just being like eh, whatever and by the end i'm like yeah man i can feel ron's vibe here like what do you, <laughs> do? you know and it, it, it hits a little you're like whoa it-
0: It does hit. I think I connected with that as a kid as well. That probably reminded me of my own parents a little bit, like trying to. As a kid, as a teenager, as a little kid, you think your parents are infallible. Then when you become a teenager, you see they have their faults. And this movie is not to be poignant about Captain Rom. It's kind of (laughs) like it has that to it for sure. It's like, yeah, you're seeing parents be vulnerable in front of their kids for the first time.
1: Yeah, and it's. I think they handled it really well for you know for a straight up like family comedy. I thought. It like showed the whole arc of him, like learning to relax, getting confident, standing up for himself, still, you know, being an ass. But yeah, and I think I think Martin Short did a great job. You know, D- despite he wasn't the wacky guy from the beginning, but uh, I-, I thought his character, like you know, grew. Yeah, and-
0: he's really good in this movie. Uh, last year, I read his memoir, which is a really fun book, and I never really thought about it. He writes about it in the book, but like at the peak of his fame he never had a hit no like there was never a blockbuster breakthrough movie that he was in Captain Ron was a flop pure luck even three Migos as a cult, not, cult and that yep. was not a success in yeah inter- space. Like, su- yeah after
1: yeah. Captain Ron I don't think he headlined a movie like he, no, yeah, he, yeah. he wasn't the main like male lead in any movie after that you know he was in one before and one after with Steve Martin with the uh, Father of the Bride movie. Father of the Bride but then he was just always like the guy, the the other guy, you know, like Interstellar. Yes. He was he's the like utility the guy. guy. Yeah. You yeah. come
2: in and just be hilarious and shoot the scenery and he's great. But don't you think like
1: that's kind of how I like him? Like, mm-hmm. because yes. when you thrust a guy of his communicability to like really helm a movie, you've seen it like when they like Dana Carvey, nowhere near. You know Martin Short, but like when they threw him like Master of Disguise and stuff, where he's just the main guy. No, no, doesn't it work.
0: Can't Thanks do me. it. I do that to your point though. I do think Martin Short pulls it off in this movie. It's interesting that this movie was. I look like Rotten Tomatoes. It's like twenty percent or something. Yeah. Critics hated it. Easy. Audiences pre- hated it. <laughs> 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 uh, but I still loved it from, as a kid. Like you're not aware of reviews or whatever. I really liked it. Oh, a quick side story that makes me laugh whenever I think about it. When I talked about like college and having friends who love this movie, I had a friend in college, uh, Kyle von Hetzendorf, who I played music with, and he lived in a house. We went to college at UC Santa Barbara, and uh, he lived in a house that was owned by a guy who also owned the hipster bar in town. And one day there was a burglary at the house, and the burglars took everything: all the like, TV, DVD player, stereo, everything was the, cleaned it out. Took their entire DVD collection except Captain Ron. <laughs> 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 House was word. like empty except for Captain Ron, and like my and Kyle left. Uh, he moved to Portland, and he was sort of getting rid of all his belongings. And he's like, "I want you to have the Captain Ron that they didn't steal." So I, that's still my copy of it to this day. I did, like, oh, and I got rid of my DVDs when streaming happened, but I, I that's the one DVD I kept is Captain Ron.
1: Captain, you have
0: to. <laughs> Speaking of male leads
1: uh kurt russell great as always just he's he's kurt russell he's either like you know different levels of kurt russell mm-hmm. i believe we did what did we did big trouble in little china big we discussed china. with yeah. john solomon and you know that's full-on kurt russell right there but he's he's just a bankable that guy's been acting in disney movies like there was a little nod to him in the the very funny thing they're like have you ever been, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean? Have you ever been to Disney World? Uh, Captain Ron? He's like, nah, I don't think so. You know, that was a little jab <laughs> yeah. being like, yeah, yeah I, I've only spent like my whole teen years being in Disney movies.
0: Yeah. Um, as much as I love Martin Short, and I do love him so much, and saying like, I can see Kurt Russell being the dad. I, I don't know if Martin Short could be as funny as Kurt Russell is as Captain yeah. Ron. He's so funny as Captain Ron. And
2: he would be like a great mate, like a funny yes. sidekick mate with like a hook and a
0: yeah <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Did uh, I, I was reading some trivia about this. A great bit of trivia that uh, I noticed. Um let me see here. Missing he- both of the cars Captain Ron drives in the movie are missing a headlight on the same side <laughs> as his missing eye. Oh, oh that's, that's a- great.
0: That's a Kubrick level like directing right. touch.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And also, he wears an eye patch in two other movies.
0: Oh, Escape from New York. Yep. Snake, Snake Bliskin. Yep. yep. The two escape movies, or is there just another? T- no, no, just escape two. T- escape okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: You weren't looking for some like you know deep <laughs> movie from like the early two thousands where he's a. Uh... No, but I thought that was pretty cool.
0: I'm also a huge uh, trivia person like you, Jeff, and I, yeah. I found a really insane fact about i I took a deep dive after as i was watching the movie i'm like looking on my phone so the kid who plays ben the son his name is benjamin salisbury i've never seen the nanny but i guess he was also he went on to become the kid on the nanny
1: okay
0: uh but then two weird facts about him one in the late 90s he was on an episode of um teen celebrity jeopardy oh wow and he won he beat kirsten dunst and (laughs) joseph gordon levitt Wow. and he beat them and he only had one dollars So they both had zero and he had one dollar <laughs> and then huh. I, I went to his wikipedia page and it said his current job is that he is director of operations at universal studios hollywood the theme park wow that's a pretty fun <laughs> life yeah young fellow
1: <laughs> he was really good too like you know some some young the some of the the youngest cast members can just under the radar you're like yeah, they're fine. They could use it. He he was really good. I loved every time, like, he was Captain Ron said something like, you know, grab a beer. Just his reaction was so oh, pure. Mm-hmm. Like, He's great. And every time he said the words Captain Ron, I thought that was really sweet. He's like, Captain Ron? Um, yeah, I thought he was really good. And this movie, we've noticed a lot of things that are watching a lot of the movies from the mid to late 80s to early 90s. Some of the tropes that they're, that use they use in re- recurring movies, Chip. We mentioned it the last time with, uh, I believe, the last movie we watched um, with uh, Andrew Orvidal was Oh, Harry and the Henderson's Henderson's. What oh. type of teen was also in the movie? What type of teen?
2: Like a begrudging teen, like a there's
1: the the older, annoyed sister. cool for school female yeah.
2: sister team. Yeah, she like she doesn't want to get yeah, she doesn't, doesn't
1: want to be there, she's barely tolerating her parents, mm-hmm. everything from like Jennifer Gray and Ferris Bueller, yep, to uh Harry and the Henderson's, where she I thought was really good. She played that off good, but she also played it off like just as a teen who's looking for fun. Yep. Yes. You know, and I was worried they were going to delve too much into like she's engaged and all that nonsense. That was a little weird. That's a
0: that's a big move up top to be like she in the like opening scene of the movie. She shows up with a guy, and they're both wearing like motorcycle jackets, and she's like, "I'm getting married," and they're like, "16." (laughs) But I thought she was great. (laughs) She also she has one of my favorite lines in the movie that I I heard this time. She's in the they're on Saint Hog's Island, (laughs) and she is like sneaking out. And she just turns to Captain Ron and says, I'm going to a party at the Dutch consulate. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. As a kid, I never like I just laughed imagining that line like on a script yep. page. <laughs> like I think the that's, what movie, need, yeah.
2: that's what you need to do, like whenever you leave the house and like Dutch your consulate. ways, like, where are you going? Just be like, I'm going to a party at the Dutch Consulate.
1: <laughs> Alex, I thought a weird thing was usually I like to see who the director was. I like to see who the writer was. Director. Um, I guess the guy's pretty well known. Let's see. His name is Tom Everhart. He's done Honey, I Blew Up the Kids, the cult classic Night of the Comet, which is a really good movie. Not like, you know, a big resume, but he's he's produced other things. Um, The writer, I believe something Dwyer, Tom Dwyer, something Dwyer. He had no link in Wikipedia.
3: what's Weird, right?
1: This, this couldn't have been the only movie he wrote.
2: You think it's a ghost name, like a nom de plume? Like know. some sort of...
1: What do you think, May- Alex?
0: That, I feel like in the 80s in Hollywood, like that would happen from time to time where like somebody's nephew gets like, <laughs> you get the key. And it's also like, I'm sure this movie had like a thousand rewrites. Yeah, well, yeah. The dude. last guy to take a pass at it gets the credit. And yeah, he's some studio exec's relative. Sort of like um how like, you know, in, in the... MLB draft, like in the last rounds, they're like drafting their cousins and it doesn't matter. Like a certain <laughs> doesn't point, matter, right? Yeah. I feel like, yeah, with screenplays in the eighties, I think like, Oh, these things get hands around so much. And so many people have their hands in writing them that whoever that Dwyer guy is, he was just the last in line and obviously was not able to launch his career off Captain Ron. No,
1: he really <laughs> didn't. And there were a lot of, of very funny little written gags. I mean, the, uh, the name of the pirate's boat, I'll, I'll, albondiga i can't say it. god i a mush mouth but it just means meatball in spanish so their boat's name was meatball <laughs> the name of the island that he got the boat on was saint palm de terry de terre which the, the wife actually said doesn't that mean potato and <laughs> and he's like no 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 it actually means saint potato <laughs> and then they they re they reinforce that joke when he's in the magistrate office of that island there was a potato on the magistrate's desk
0: uh that's got closely. Yeah. See, they were paying attention to the details. They were. Yeah, they
1: were. Well, there was Easter lo- potatoes.
0: <laughs> I hadn't seen this movie in years. It, it jumped out at me that when the pirates take over the boat, he uh uh Martin Short says to the leader of the pirates, You're the captain now.
1: Yes, <laughs> <was> yes. Like- <laughs> do you was do you think that's where that's they got what it inspired? From? Yeah, that's yeah. uh
0: I feel like these Kurt Russell and Martin Short. Hang out with Tom Hanks. I feel like they're all in the same crew of friends. I just remember if oh, yeah. there's like a bet amongst friends and being like, Hey, can you throw in a line from Captain well, Ron? They, they Captain do Bills. say
1: that Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Tom Hanks are like the three buds. Yeah. So, yes. wow. Maybe, maybe Tom was like, All right, I got a I got a seafaring <laughs> movie coming up. I gotta watch all the classics. So we got Jaws, Captain Ron. That's probably the only thing I really need mm-hmm. to watch. And then yeah, t- maybe just you know threw that in. Wow,
0: him taking notes. You're the captain now. It's like, we'll turn it. Th- I'm the captain now. So all right. Know.
1: Here's here's an, an odd deep dive. I was I was doing some more research. Nathan Rabin, film critic. I think everybody's read him online. One of the many places he's written for. He poses this question, guys: Is Captain Ron essentially a watery knockoff of What About Bob? which not so coincidentally was also a touchstone release, very successful one. Both films center on an uptight, control-obsessed family man, Richard Dreyfus, um, whose dull, ordinary lives are turned upside down when they come in conflict with an eccentric kook their families embrace as a replacement patriarch.
0: I would agree 100% with that. Does, wait, does Captain Ron come before What About Bob?
1: I don't know. I think it I think, does. Chip. I feel like I think, what about
2: Bob comes out? 92. I want to say 93. yeah.
0: Yeah, I think but no. There are definitely it, it is the same trope of 91. What so what Ooh. about Bob? Ah, okay, Whoa. so this is yeah. They're probably but,
1: in development at the same time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But no, I know, I totally agree with Nathan Rabin's take that yeah, that's the it's the uptight dad learning to embrace and love life via an insane person. <laughs> Bob or a mentally
1: Ron. unstable person who, before you know, psychiatric drugs, was just on his own, yes, trying to not die and you know live his life.
0: Wow! And I, I don't, I'm not a person who holds grudges, but Nathan Rabin did write a negative review of Insane Clown Posse theater.
2: Oh, what a dick <laughs> Oh, did I? Did I, I? I, res- <laughs> I my uh, agreement with him.
0: it Seems like he wrote a book about ICP. Did he really? I think so yeah yeah. see the
1: same guy who went who's the guy the the film writer who got into fish like he decided to become a complete he was an av guy writer i think
0: it's i think it's the same book i think it's the the same guy i I, I think nathan rabin in the same book writes about becoming an icp fan and a fish fan
1: okay
0: Mm -hmm. um he wrote a thing for the new york times about insane clown posse theater that he felt like they were selling out i was like oh
1: (laughs) Not selling out. They're day, expanding their brand. They didn't do anything day, wrong.
0: I remember that review. Wow. Like, oh no, Nathan Rabin it seems like a great guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Guys, now we know that Martin Short, we discussed some of his movies, um, but you know, there were some lesser known Martin Short projects. Would you like to hear about those? Oh, yeah. yeah. How about like, I'll let Alex go first. I'll just read you a synopsis of one of his movies and you see if you, if you can tell the title. All right, so this one, Marty plays an experimental robot in a lab that is electrocuted and suddenly becomes intelligent and escapes.
0: Because, wait, he's, he becomes a robot and escapes? This is real. You're not doing a bit here. It might be a bit. <laughs> becomes, okay. Well, okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Becomes a robot and escapes. What's the answer?
1: It's uh, Martin Short Circuit.
0: There we go. <laughs> There, I it is. I,
1: there it is. There I think it is. Think we know where we're going. With
0: this one, <laughs> okay. Chip would, you,
1: Chip, would you like one? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Give me uh, a real one. A oh, real. One. This, is a, oh, this is a real one. Okay, uh, good. 2006. A supersized Marty bets against the U.S. mortgage market. In his research, he discovers how flawed and corrupt this market is. Would that be the Big Martin short? It's 100% movie. The Big Martin. The short, Big Martin mortgage. short. Yeah, I, I, that, that was
0: a good uh, one. I I need a real one now too. Give me Give me a. Real oh, you'll one get a real one. Yeah, yeah, I
1: can't just get Chip the real one. <laughs> uh all right here's a good one for you uh oh boy uh mobster martin travels to hollywood to collect a debt and discovers that the movie business is much the same as his current job
0: get martin shorty
1: there you go (laughs) you got the real well done well done chip let's you know what i'm just gonna do i I hate bits they're cheap Uh, i'm just gonna stick with the real ones stick with the real ones yeah this is a kind of recent one. Astronaut Marty becomes stranded on Mars after his team assumes him dead, and he must rely on his ingenuity to find a way to signal Earth that he is alive and can survive until a potential rescue.
2: Is that The Martian short?
1: No, it's just The Martin.
0: The Mar- oh, The Martin. Oh, Martin. <laughs> it's
1: All The right. Martin.
0: Great, great real movie that I love. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of great real movies that Alex loves, oh boy, here comes one. 1984 film about Steve Martin, Tom Hanks, and other f- friends uh, of the soon-to-be-married Mr. Short. They throw him the ultimate pre-wedding bash. 1984 film,
0: uh, throwing him a bash. Yep, a
1: pre-wedding He's... bash for a guy.
0: Chip is losing his mind over. He knows it. I'm gonna. I think I
1: got it. I'll... Take take it away. No, no. Take take your time.
0: No, Yo, Chip, you go. I'm 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 passing.
2: Right. Okay. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm embarrassed to even say this. Yep. Uh, I I, be- I believe you're looking for the for the movie. Did you get it? Did you get it? Go. I, I, the
0: Bachelor Marty. <laughs> Bachelor Marty. Bachelor Marty. <laughs>
2: That's <what> Marty <laughs> I
0: was able to you, read Chip's mind. Yes, there it is. is.
1: Chip was Got very it. excited. All right, you guys, you like you guys both like movies. You both like alternative indie rock. I think this will be a no, no brainer for you. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, British biographical comedy film about the Manchester popular music community from 76 to 92 through the eyes of this popular Canadian American comedic
0: actor. I got it. That's yep. 24 hour Marty people. 24 hour. <laughs> hour people. Oh boy. That's a, good, a classic
1: doc. Classic. Just yeah. everyone loves it. Uh, Chip. When Martin Short's college money is stolen by a crooked hip-hop music promoter, his solution is to stage the mother of all pajama jammy jams. Is that House Marty? Chip, it's actually House Marty. Uh, is two. it House Marty Two? House Marty Two. House Marty Two. The pajama jammy jam. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. House Marty Two. Yeah. How could I? How
2: could I forget? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he's and he's actually done a couple TV shows uh, mm-hmm. that you guys are well aware of. I want a kids show and this popular. More uh, popular TV show, Marty oversees a group of kids at summer camp as they form friendships and harass a buffoonish camp counselor known as Kevin Ug Lee. Nickelodeon show. Oh, is that Salute Your Martin Shorts? Salute Your Martin Shorts. Yep. Very nice. And guys, they are the lesser known Martin Short projects. Well done. Well done. All real. Yeah. All real. your,
2: Your research is impeccable.
1: Thank you very much. Um, Alex, (laughs) I have to talk to you about, this brought me so much joy because Chip and I were saying, like you, we spend a lot of time obsessing about things from our childhood, Mm -hmm. obsessing about things that we weren't able to answer when we were young due to the lack of internet, due to the lack of resources. But now as we're older and we're becoming anxiety-ridden so we don't sleep at night, we're now able to spend our nights hopping on wikipedia doing research answering those questions that plagued us as youths and you know it's kind of easy to do it's fun but you took it to another level recently and i i was like so proud of you that you had the gumption the wherewithal and the actual ability being a person who writes who can do investigative pieces the untold story of some guy plowing into a wedding cake in the Guns N' Roses music video. Let me give you a little round
0: of applause. Right oh, there. thank you, thank you,
1: everybody! Right away, just go to Vice. This was on Vice, I believe, right? Vice. Yeah, yeah, com. it's a Vice article. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was genius. I thought it, it was like right in my wheelhouse. I immediately texted Chip, said, <laughs> "This is it. This you got to you got to read this." Like, what was the genesis of this
0: uh, piece? Well, it's literally something that floats in and out of my mind from time to time, which is in November rain, it's like towards the end of the video, there's a scene at an outdoor wedding reception and one of the wedding guests, when the rain starts, he runs to avoid the rain and dives through a wedding cake. And as a little kid, I was just like, why doesn't he walk around the table? Why does he need to go through the cake? And yeah, it was definitely a thing like early in the pandemic. I tweeted like, I'm just up at night thinking about this. And it got a big response. People are like, oh yeah, I think about that too. <laughs> And so I knew it struck a chord, uh, and I was like, I wonder if I can like, look into this a little bit more. I looked on the calendar. I saw that the 30th anniversary of the song was coming up, and I felt like, oh, this is a good excuse mm-hmm. to try to get an answer to this. And it, I, so I pitched the article to Vice, and I said, I want to interview the director of the video and ideally somebody in the band, which didn't happen. But I, I reached out, the, the first guy I reached out to was the director and he immediately wrote back and was like, no, I don't want to talk to you about this. You sound like a joke to me. Oh. <laughs> and he wrote back a very curt email. And, and so like for about half an hour, I was like, well, That's there you. goes my article. And then I was like, yeah. you know what? No, this makes me, I'm going to do it for sure now. Like, I'm going to fight through this. Even if I can't talk to this guy, I'm going to get an answer. I like, yeah, just took a deep dive. I went On the there's an imdb page for that video similar (laughs) to the writer of captain ron a lot of these people do not have links right um i found a couple of them on facebook i reached out to like some bridesmaids from the video on facebook they didn't respond but i was able to get through to the cinematographer of the video who's this incredibly sweet guy daniel pearl who had the most insane if you go to his imdb page what he's worked on is insane he's like done hundreds of like the greatest music videos of all time and his very first credit is that he was the director of photography on the original texas chainsaw massacre in 1974 really Um, wow yeah and so he got on the phone with me and like told me all about that day shooting that it was a spur of the moment thing it wasn't planned to have the guy jump through the cake uh he thought it looked weird and wrong and thought it was weird and wrong when he saw it in the final cut of the video and so from there, you know, I sort of, I talked to Ricky Rackman as well, um, mm-hmm. who was in that scene. I reached out to Ricky. Um, uh, he called me, he lives in the Carolinas now someplace. And, uh, he was really sweet. And eventually the director, Andy Morihan did come around and did talk to me and I interviewed all three of them. And at, towards the end of my interview with Andy, the director, he mentioned that he always felt this, he has, uh, conflicted feelings about the video. Because grunge happened as November Rain was coming out,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and it almost instantly in the moment looked dated. Oh, like yeah, in '92, yeah. that video they—it's the biggest budget video ever at that time. They put everything into it, and like grunge immediately makes it look obsolete. Oh. And so he felt kind of ashamed of it for years, and it wasn't until he said maybe ten or fifteen years ago that he received a call from Sophia Coppola's assistant, and she said. She wanted to. She was looking to buy any memorabilia or storyboards from the video, and it was at that moment he's like, "Oh, maybe this video did have, have had an impact on, you know, people." Which is crazy to me because it, it has like two billion views on YouTube. So clearly, like yeah. people enjoy it. Um. So, long story short, then I reached out to Sofia Coppola, and got some quotes from her. And yeah, she's a big fan of the video. Loves Guns and Roses. Loved November Rain. It was yeah. So it, it was a fun story to write
1: yeah and we don't want to give away the ending you have to read that people you have to go look for the untold story (laughs) of a guy plowing into it but it's just i love the mind of a young child a young alex where he's just like this doesn't make sense and then it just doesn't get it just sticks in there and it just never (laughs) ever leaves and then you're like now i could do 30 years later i can do something
2: about it exactly (laughs) alex is there another video that you plan i don't know if you can shed light on this is there another video that you have a burning questioning about that you need to do a deep dive on Ooh.
0: oh man see there kind of is i'm almost uh i don't want to say it because i might write something about it yeah okay yeah but don't, um don't give it away i'm trying to think of like wait so do you guys have like a favorite video from that era of like is Oof. there one because
2: it's weird I, one that i have that's yeah
0: because going back and revisiting november rain for this article i don't love the video and i don't love the song. <laughs> right, <It's> like, right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it,
1: it was it has
0: it yeah. was fine it's an okay song but uh, yeah it made me think of like yeah it's stuff that i was like obsessed about at that age i, I really enjoyed with. it when i
2: was that age like, yeah when, same, when, same. In 92 i thought it was the greatest thing ever and, yeah. but then again and like you said that makes so much sense too because i also remember i guess it was 92 i remember exactly where i was when i saw smells like teen spirit and oh, then that totally 100%. changed my life
1: yeah yes. pretty much every then video Onward, the grunge, you know, the grunge movement was basically just live performance or something really dark, nothing excessive, nothing Hollywood. It was just like mopey, sadness, grunge. (laughs) That's what's selling. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so everything was like scaled back. I'm
2: sure this has been looked into, but I would love to see what they thought the trajectory of MC Scat Cat was going to (laughs) be.
1: good point yeah from the point. paul
2: abdul opposites attract video like i i feel like he they wanted him to
1: be a thing
0: he was you, gonna have his own show on fox he was gonna mm-hmm. have a breakfast cereal he was gonna yes. be all of those like, things yeah. like the
1: next spuds mckenzie like they're mm-hmm. just gonna branch i love that the idea chipped that where it's just like well this movie is gonna come out it's gonna be huge so we're just gonna sign scat cat to a three-picture deal mm-hmm. we're already greenlit the sequel video yeah. so it's just gonna There's no way we're not going to...
2: Yeah, the machine is just going to keep rolling. The scat, the scat cat (laughs) machine.
1: I posted a thing a while back about late at night. It just always made me laugh. And like, you know, like one of the the hair metal guys, just like, you know, everything was great until grunge ruined it. So I went to Wikipedia and I collected, I believe 12 quotes from hair metal guys blaming grunge and the demise of their career. And it's really pretty much they all just say the same thing. It's just like, and then we put out this album, which we thought was great, but the record company's like, screw you, grunge is here. This is when we're hitting our high water mark, but no one wanted to hear it because of Pearl Jam.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's, I mean, I think to me, the highlight so far of 2022 is the feud between Nikki Six and Eddie Vedder. Oh, it's so great. And which has my favorite quote of the year, which is, Eddie Vedder started the feud by saying how much she hated Motley Crue in a New York Times interview. And then Nikki Sixx fired back by saying Pearl Jam is a brown-haired band for brown-haired fans. Wow. And I was like,
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> as a brown-haired person who enjoys Pearl Jam, I was like, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. like I really want to take Pearl Jam's side on this
2: one. This is another Kayvon Mike love situation where I don't know whose side I'm going to take. That's a great clapback.
0: It's really- a good clapback. I, it's, I mean, like I'm not a Motley Crue fan. I, I mean, uh, do see both yeah. sides. I, I, don't think Eddie Vedder needed to take a swipe at Motley Crue. He also, no. like, he in his criticism of Motley Crue, he's like, you know, they had all these like fans who were like Heather Locklear, and I was like, why do you need to slag Heather Locklear here? Also, it's yeah, Eddie, come on. Yeah. Um, but I, I enjoy that they're feuding. I like that they they kept it going for a little while. These old men.
1: I love um, that. When when you like you get guys like Tommy Lee and Nikki Six, whoever else is in the band, Neil Neil, whatever his name is, like they're not inherently funny people, right? Or but they're they're funny, you know, they have enough people around them who will laugh at stuff they say. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're yeah. kind of, but I remember I was watching an old like cribs or something, and it was Tommy Lee just going through his house showing everything. This is a thing that stuck with me, and it just bothered me so much. He's like, Yeah, so this is the house, you know, so we were like. You know, my wife, we all hang out and stuff. But when I want to get away, you know what I do? Come here, come here. He goes, this is a little place where I like to have fun. I call it Tommy Land. I'm like, <laughs> that's that's the fucking best thing. Your den of iniquity, your, your man cave, the best thing you could call Ooh. it is Tommy Land. And yeah. he goes in he's just like, yeah, see, this is where I got my drums, got my music pool table. And then like, I don't drink because I can't anymore. So I just have my- own uh starbucks like espresso machine and i'm like yep tommy land seems pretty cool <laughs> tommy land. Thanks. i'm like that's that's what that's oh that's why i knew that, that's when he showed his true colors guys he's mm-hmm. not that creative
2: no. yeah
0: no 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 not in any way yes yeah, so- you,
2: you did you didn't mention though i mean it wasn't the greatest joke but while they were following him in that interview he was in a uh, 360 degree spinning <laughs> Machine. Oh yeah, so the, whole Tommy land, the
1: whole Tommyland, the whole Tommyland did this. Right, Jim. right. Not, so let's let's I'm not credit where credit's due. Alex, you're a Pearl Jam fan.
0: I am a Pearl Jam fan.
1: Would you see Eddie Solo? Like, is that something you would want to do? Or
0: no, I think <laughs> no, no, no. I take that back. I would. I don't think I've seen Pearl Jam in probably 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, as a kid, I saw them a lot. Um. Yes, the first time, right. I, the first time I saw them was um, I was 14, uh, oh, wow. was 1995, and they were playing in San Francisco, Golden Gate Fields, Golden Gate Park, uh, the Polo Fields, and Eddie Vedder started vomiting like five songs into the set, just, like, spewing <laughs> vomit, and they he had to walk off, and it's, it was the, it was Pearl Jam's biggest show to date. There were like sixty thousand people there, and uh, he walked off after five songs. Neil Young came out and finished the set. You Neil wow. Young was hanging out. He's like, I'll come out. It was an unfortunate it, it was cool because you could see Neil Young, but the the sixty thousand people wanted to see Pearl Jam and there was a lot of booing. And you yeah. were just
1: sitting there eating your nachos, right? Like right. Oh, man.
0: I was there with Kayvon. I was there at that <laughs> show. <with Kayvon. laughs> what was Kayvon eating? Oh my god, I'm sure it was nachos. <laughs> and then, oh, so this is, I mean, I guess the funny side, the end story to that so a year later, Pearl Jam came back to play a makeup show. In San Jose at Spartan Stadium, and Kay, uh, because we're only fifteen, Kavon's mom brought us. So I went yep. with Kavon and Kavon's mom, and we stayed about six songs into the set. She turns to us and goes, "Okay, you guys saw Pearl Jam. Let's go." <laughs> 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 Which, like, Kayvon, come on! As a parent now, I respect that so much. Be like. Okay, you saw him. Let's go. <laughs> you, got the, you got the gist of Pearl Jam. <laughs> you got the gist. These yeah. oh are the first God. six songs. You know what they can do. Let's, we're going home now. That's like,
1: topic. Here's topic for you. Best concert a parent ever brought you to. Oh. so Whether I, uh, it's your own or uh, or Kayvon's parents, either one.
0: Well, yeah. When I was um, about 11 or 12, I loved Nevermind from the second it came out. I was 11 years old. It was the first CD I bought. And around 92, Nirvana was playing New Year's Eve at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, and I asked my dad to take me, and he said, absolutely not. Oh. He, said, he, he said, you're 11, you cannot see Nirvana at the Cow Palace, I'm not taking you. And he said, before you can go to a concert of your own choosing, you have to go to five concerts with me. Oh, my God. So,
1: wow,
2: like a gauntlet. I like this. Jesus. So
0: from the time I was 11 to 12, my dad took me to five concerts. Uh, we saw Johnny Cash. We saw Little Richard, Chuck Berry, Jerry Lee Lewis. I think the Beach Boys were the last one. It's pretty went like you wanted to teach me the sort of history of rock and roll uh, before I could choose to see something on my own. And I love him for it. I never got that's, to see Nirvana. <laughs> that's a
1: pretty cool move by your but dad. That is, yeah. that is great. And I mean, I'm he sure wasn't... he
0: gave you some like concert
2: going tips as well. Like, here's where you go to the bathroom. Here's when you, <laughs> like, you gotta, if you want to slide in, like, did he give you those, like, yeah, the, the sort when, of when, when, when Little
1: outs. Richard said, here's a new one. That's when you go to the bathroom. <laughs> that's when he goes back. Yeah.
0: Little Richard right. was wearing a jacket covered in costume jewelry and like a few songs into the set. I, we were maybe like eight rows back. He took a piece off and tossed it to me, caught it. It's now a family heirloom. During the course of the show, he was like throwing them left and right, but I caught oh, the first awesome. one. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Chip, Do you guys have one? Chip, a young young chip chantry.
2: So I don't remember who drove us, but I remember I skipped my homecoming dance freshman year of high school because my friend and his older sister and my brother went to the Valley Forge Music Fair to see CNC Music Factory. <laughs> perform i wasn't really interested in going but i was like i'll go to do this but i will say the the one that uh, I, the not being allowed to go to nirvana one reminds me of this my dad would sometimes get he worked in the food business and sometimes he would get like uh sp- like box seats at the at the spectrum in philadelphia like for like sixers games and stuff like that and they really didn't use them that much so they would throw my dad tickets like hey you can just have the box for the flyers game tonight and we'd go and there'd be like it would just be us and he came home one night i was a i was a senior in high school and he said oh i was offered box seats for tonight but i didn't think you would be interested oh no so i i turned them down i was like oh okay you know i don't know if i need to see a sixers game he's like oh no it was for the grateful dead God. and i was like oh i would have loved to have seen that and uh, jerry garcia died uh, like nine <laughs> months later <laughs> oh, and i was like he I died during had, that show i could have had box over. seats. And like, we weren't like a fancy people where it was like all this highfalutin stuff, but that was like one thing that like, mm-hmm. was really nice. And I could have had a, a like a super box to go see. Uh, the uh, next morning the you Dead. wake up
1: and they're like, Grateful Dead show last night to Spectrum. Jerry Garcia <laughs> in the 14th minute of his g- guitar solo during birth that over and never got. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Dad. How about you, That's, Jeffrey? Uh, I'd say probably the best. My parents. On a frigging school night, I talked to this on the uh, a, a prior podcast for another reason, but we're like, we want to go see Rush. And that's my brother is a huge Rush fan. He was in a, a metal cover band that played Rush. And I love Rush. And my parents like, yeah, we'll take you. We'll We'll just go up. I grew up in Central Jersey, Alex, so it wasn't that far. They're like, yeah, we'll drive up. Mom and I will just go get dinner and do something while you're at the show. And it's just like a perfect night where they literally dropped me, my brother, and my best friend, Don Niece, off at the, right in front of Radio City Music Hall. It was like you see in oh, a wow. movie, you know, like, hey, let's go to a concert. Next thing you know, you, they get out the door and they just walk right into the concert. That's exactly. Walk right in. My parents are like, have a nice night, son. We go in. We had great tickets. Um, so, me, my buddy don are like and dj are right there we were probably at like the 30th row right in the center and my brother just and he's little and he just sees like hey there's an open seat down there and he just runs down fifth row and just pops in an open seat and throughout the whole show all i see is everyone standing up and this little guy just air drumming throughout the whole show my brother just (laughs) losing his marbles great show parents literally this is no cell phones or anything like that. They're like, yeah, we'll just be out in front when it's over. And my dad was just like, I, you know, this is New York City, in front <laughs> of Madison. I mean, not Madison uh, Radio City Music Hall. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of walk out, and like, oh, there's mom and dad. Get in the car, and we drive home. And and the thing that I told the story about Alex, um, I got a I got a Rush concert T-shirt. Don got the same one. You know, my brother got a different one. Next day, St. Rose High School walkathon. Right. This is where we can wear casual clothes. We're not wearing our uniforms. No, you're not. We're going to go walk up and down, boardwalk, four different towns all day. We're just going to be marching up and down. Beautiful day. I'm wearing my Rush shirt. I want everyone to know it. Don Niece, my best friend I'm walking with, guess what he wore? Rush shirt. Same exact yep. Rush shirt. <laughs> so it's just me and Don just like marching up in the middle of our pack. And you could tell the girls are just like, I didn't really think about them before, but man, they look really cute in their matching <laughs> Rush. These two five-foot-three 120-pound nerds in matching Rush t-shirts. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: Rush, uh, before my dad took me to those five concerts, Rush was my first concert.
3: Oh, nice. Um,
0: it, was, uh, same, it was sort of like what Chip was saying. I had a friend, Nathaniel, whose dad's company had a box at the San Jose Arena. And there was a Rush show and it was just like, hey, we, we all we got tickets. I only knew Tom Sawyer. I was probably like 12 years old. That was like the one song I knew. But I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go to a concert. And the knowing I was a Nirvana fan at the time, the Melvins were the opening band, oh, so wow. I knew there was like a Kurt Cobain connection there. The Melvins—it's the only time I've ever seen a band get booed off the stage. Oh, uh, the Rush wow. fans were not down with the Melvins.
1: Rush fans are such nerds that they couldn't appreciate the Melvins. Yeah, and it sucks.
0: Uh, But yeah, I I got it was the Counterparts tour. Oh wow! And I got the shirt, and I loaned the shirt to a buddy of mine. He's still holding it hostage to this day. I said (laughs) I'll get texts from him, being like, "I'm wearing it." Were you a drummer at that point? I wasn't. I I didn't start playing drums till this (laughs) band. Oh really? I mean, I've always I've played music since I was a kid, and like being in band since I was. We started our first band when we were thirteen, and uh, I would I knew my way around a drum set. But but you play guitar or you play guitar, yeah. Oh, okay. So then you're just I do love the the
1: hubris of guitar players, where they're just like, well, yeah. I mean, I, obviously, I can pick up the drums, <laughs> and it's true, and it's always like, yeah, you can actually, and it it irritates drummers. I can tell. Yes. Like at some point where they're just like. Well, you probably need a real, like, can I show, oh, you really, you already know how to do that. All right. Like,
0: <laughs> can you keep time? Do you have like some coordinations? Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> That's it. And yeah.
1: Growing up, man, my brother was the guy who could play everything, piano, guitar. And it's, And I remember like, you know, he's got the guitar and he's like, you know, voice. And I'm like, well, I got to do something. I got to learn to play drums and horrible drummer, but I played, wasn't good, but I just stuck to it. And I'd be sitting there like in the room be like, my brother be like what are you doing i'm like playing drums he'd be like oh let me see it's fun to play drums jeff anyway here's your sticks i go play guitar and i'm like all right what was he doing that was my that was my childhood i relate
0: i relate man <laughs> yeah.
1: So what's coming up? What are we uh what are we doing next, Alex? What are what are you looking for in the horizon? You get another video to tackle from your youth, uh any other projects?
0: Yeah, nothing I can really announce yet. I can think of I'm working on another article that'll probably drop in uh mid-May. Nice. So I'm, I'm working on it now. Um keep a lookout for that. And uh the Cinnamon the Boys, my new young cover band, we're looking Playing some barbecues. This summer, so. I thought you
1: play your your main gigs are barbecues and driveways, correct? Driveways. Yeah, driveway? exactly.
0: Um, during the pandemic, we'd play on my driveway, and sort of neighbors would wander out and listen. Um, Were they receptive? Oh, they loved it. Yeah. It oh, that's so. a, how yeah. can you? Are not, you in L.A. right now? I'll be. Yeah, I'm in L.A. L.A. Yeah.
1: Yeah. How could you not like? It's the one, not the one band, but if you if anyone just heard Neil Young songs, how could you not?
0: It's a unifier everybody sort of comes out of that we don't announce that we're going to play we just plug in we're pretty loud everyone trickles out of their houses and oh, it's that's a good fantastic.
1: time um oh we ask all our guests when we end the show to uh if you had to sell captain ron to a youth if you had to say hey young phil i got a good movie for you and they're like yo alex what's popping tell me something good because that's how kids talk <laughs> You don't, have to use, you don't have to use that patois. You can just be you. That's what
0: they say on TikTok is yes. what's popping. What should I be watching? I would say Captain Ron is the greatest movie of the 90s. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's You're a idiot tour, if you don't watch. tour de force performance by Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Martin Short, at the height of his comedic powers, being restrained. If you want to laugh, you want to cry, you want to see kids drink beer and machine guns be fired, this is the movie for you.
1: (laughs) I like it. I think think (laughs) you you got the machine gun parts that people are into. Uh, Oh, and and nudity. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and some slight nudity,
2: really. The perfect kind. That's the perfect kind. I would also sell, I think, what young kids today, like a tween today, I'm like, I know what they like. And it's like, how about, how would you like to see Paul Anka in a completely insignificant role? (laughs)
1: <laughs> like, I like really to see Paul
2: Anka in a role that doesn't have anything to do with the movie. That could was be he a friend.
1: A was he a friend of director Tom Everhart? Like what? I'd I'd, I've i never seen him in a movie before and I've never seen him in one. Just And, and, and it was like, I thought he was going to be the the
2: villain at yeah. first. Like, Oh, he's going to be the guy that they're, he's going to try to swindle him out of a boat. And then it just, he just yeah. didn't have to, he didn't have to be in the movie at all. <laughs> there,
1: there was no, I, there's probably cutting room for a good solid 10 minutes. Of him like conniving or doing some Mm -hmm. like something you know that's that really gonna set something in motion and they're just like we want to keep this to an hour forty yeah like the attention span and that's another thing Alex all these movies that we love that we talk about there hasn't been one over an hour forty five right no that
0: that's the key yeah that is that's what we got to get back
1: to as a society Um, couldn't agree more right I think that makes a solid Mm -hmm. movie. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for joining us. This was really fun. Um, thank you guys. I'm glad we got a, a, a chance to talk to you. Um, you can follow Alex at A L E X Scurdellus. Am I pronouncing it correctly? Scardellis, you are absolutely
0: right? cre- pronouncing yep. it correctly, yeah.
1: Skirdelis S C O R D E L I S. You can catch chip. You have some shows coming up, my friend. This I'm gonna put this out tomorrow. I'm gonna just say, okay, hey, work right off the table like a cat knocking work off the table i'm going to get this podcast up so we can see chip chantry this friday in philadelphia correct chip
2: yeah at the uh, crossroads comedy theater uh, running out theater week in philadelphia it is theater week part of philly theater week i'm doing it so what april a, fool's day this friday
1: what uh, what dramatic reading are you going to do like you're you're just going to do some drama right since it's theater week
2: yeah well actually speaking of martin short i'm doing a monologue from inner space oh okay but i'm doing it very it's it's a very heavy it's a very heavy monologue.
1: I got you. The yeah. death
2: scene. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll be uh, next weekend, next Saturday, April 9th. I'm going to be in the uh, great city of Wilmington, Delaware, uh, opening for my friend Christian Finnegan. So uh, oh, Christian
3: Finnegan awesome. will be get...
1: in, uh, in Wilmington <laughs> on the 9th. That's a must see. Two, two funny guys in one show. Can't ask for much more than that. How about and you, Nicole- Jeffrey? Where can people find you? You know me, let me give them my list of big things that I have coming up. Uh, yeah, I, I know the listeners nothing. can't
2: <laughs> physically see this right now, absolutely but we, Alex, and I are looking at an amazingly handsome gentleman right now wearing a very dapper shirt.
1: What does that say? What does that shirt say, Jeff? It's, uh, I don't know. Not a lot of people like to talk about it. I think if it's like an underrated food, most people don't talk about It's pizza, guys. It's, it's, it's pizza. just a shirt where I like to say, hooray for pizza. Um, you might have seen, uh, Andy Richter recently wearing a pizza shirt I on saw Twitter. Um, some other celebrities. If you want a pizza shirt, uh, I don't know. Go to my Twitter handle at UseWigs and I'll be hawking these stupid things. <laughs> Again, Alex, thank you so much. Chip, thank you guys. Thank you. Alex. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you around. It's such Bye. A pleasure. Thanks, guys, Thanks. Take care, everybody.